Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God. Our Savior Jesus, who the crowds gathered to celebrate, whom the people wanted to see as he arrived in the city. Today we continue our series about 40s. This one is a little bit more obscure. It was in the reading from 1 Samuel 17 because Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, came out and opposed God's people and the armies of Saul for 40 days. It's not a typical 40. A lot of times when we hear 40, we think of the 40 days of Jesus' temptation, the 40 years in the wilderness. Those are the ones that we recognize and think about fairly quickly and somewhat automatically uh, because we talk about them fairly regularly. But the, the David and Goliath story, I don't think we think about. It was 40 days of Goliath coming out and taking his stand and defying the army of Saul and the people of God, Israel. It's March. <laughs> so March Madness is back. Any basketball fans? A few watching the tournament. Any Oregon State fans now? Yeah, so we're going to talk about Oregon State. Every year there's um, brackets that are set and matchups that are determined. That happened a couple of weeks ago. And the, the whole tournament is structured so that favored teams are matched up against the teams that barely made it, especially in the first round. You get these, there's four regions, 16 teams per region. And so every year there's the one versus 16 matchup. This year, Gonzaga didn't lose a game the entire regular season. Their number 16 opponent was Norfolk State, who had a record of 17-7. and seven. Not a bad record. That qualifies you for the tournament. But it's a mid-major school, and you know, not coming from a powerhouse region or a, a league that prepares them well to go up against the juggernaut Gonzaga team this season. It happens every year, right? There's a team that squeaks into the tournament coming from a fairly you know, small school with players that aren't highly touted. Maybe they've got one or two guys that are, are pretty good and have been on the national radar, but they're not loaded. They're not real deep. You know, their young guys look young, <laughs> as opposed to some of these teams where they've got guys who are in college who look like they're 31 and have been playing NBA basketball for years. I don't know how that happens, but... Sometimes it's described by the announcers, right? They borrow this chapter from 1 Samuel 17 and talk about the David versus Goliath matchup. When that happens, there's easy assumptions that can be made. We often judge by appearances, right? What's the eye test tell you about the team, about the situation, about even a person? We have our own biases. We evaluate people economically and the situation they're in. It's just a, a natural reaction when we meet somebody, when we see a person, to evaluate who people are, what their background is, what their, where they fit in the categories that we have in our minds, right? It even happens 
racially, and there's racial stereotypes that we can all fall into. It's an easy trap. And lately, Asian communities have been victims of harassment and attack simply for race. And not all of that is because of the eye test. There's a lot more under the surface and things that are happening there. But we can fall into these biases. We can fall into these assumptions. And a lot of our bias is actually learned. Sometimes our assumptions are accurate, though, right? Sometimes what we see and how we evaluate and what we expect is based on history. The 1 versus 16 matchup in the tournament is almost always, 90-something percent of the time, the number one team wins. They're ranked number one for a reason. They're a more powerful team. They have a deeper bench. They have better players. They have had a more rigid uh, or rugged schedule to prepare them for the tournament. And so it's expected, it's assumed that they're going to win. Heroes often look the part. Maybe not with spandex outfits and capes and masks and the whole superhero kind of effect. But there are heroes that are fairly easy to identify. The, the people who've been on the, the front lines of health care for the past year and beyond are heroes. They look the part. They have a uniform that they wear, an appearance. You know, they wear masks. Oh, now we all do, but... But there's others as well. First responders, military heroes that are decorated with ribbons and medals. But a lot of times there's heroes that don't have the ribbons and medals to show for it. Heroes that don't fit the part. And so that's where we are today, stuck between the easy assumptions and the way sometimes things play out in real life. Here's an easy assumption. Goliath was an imposing enemy. And so it's easy to assume that this giant is going to be the winner. That he's going to win the battle. So the way this worked, there were two armies would come against one another and they would bring out the champion. And the champion was, it was the mano-a-mano, one-on-one battle that would ensue. And it was winner-take-all. Right? It was done so that the armies wouldn't have to all go into battle and fight each other. So if you had the guy, right, then that was your champion. And you put him out there and you go, there we go. We'll settle this one-on-one. If you know the, the movie Prince Caspian, which is part of the Chronicles of Narnia, if you know the, the book or the film, there's a, a battle like that where, where the king fights again. You know, it's one king against another. And it was winner take all. This is how it's going to go. We'll have this one-on-one experience. So Goliath, he's the opposing or imposing enemy. He was six cubits and a span is how our text read. That's over nine feet tall. The, the Septuagint lists him at four cubits and a span, which makes him a bit shorter. Um, but still, this is a tall person. Roughly six, six, that's still pretty tall. 
He had a helmet of bronze on his head. He was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels. That's 125 pounds of armor just in the, in the coat that he was wearing. Plus the helmet and the bronze on his legs. A javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders and the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam. So solid and the spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. That's 15 pounds. Who wants to chuck a 15-pound spear with accuracy and how far could you throw it? <laughs> 15 pounds? It'll go a little ways. And it would do damage when it landed, right? Because it's 15 pounds. It's like throwing a bowling ball at somebody. This is a big person imposing figure. What's the assumption? If you're, if you're filling out your bracket, right, and it's the Philistines against Israel, and you've got Gath on there, or so Goliath on there, you go, I'm taking that guy, right? Because he meets the eye test. He satisfies our expectations of what the hero looks like, what the champion should be. So his assumption, especially after 40 days of coming out and saying, Send out your guy. I don't know how long they, you know, could this go on? I'm not sure. Before they would be like, well, you didn't send out anybody, so you must have surrendered. We don't, we don't know. But everyone was in awe of him. The soldiers wouldn't come out to fight him. So for 40 days, their medal was tested. And along comes David. David is the young shepherd. In a part we skipped over in the reading, his brother sees him coming out to where the army was gathered. And he went back and forth. He was still tending the sheep of his father in Bethlehem, important city that we all recognize the name of. This is where the town of David, right? And, and so he's going back and forth from the sheep out to where the armies are gathered. And his brother sees him and is like, what are you doing here? He wasn't just delivering food. And Saul evaluates David. You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. You're a young man, David. You've never fought in this way. You don't know how this works. You don't know what you're going up against. He's undefeated. Who are you to fight him? A lot of times when we, when we hear about this, or we picture David versus Goliath, we picture somebody kind of young, right? The shepherd boy. And, and I've imagined him sometimes as like a kid, like Drew's age or so. Drew's 12. Right? He's a, like a 12-year-old boy that's just come from the sheep. He's probably a little bit older than that. Scholars estimate roughly 15 because the minimum age for fighting was 20. And if he had brothers in between who couldn't yet be there, then he would be down the line a little ways. Probably big enough that Saul wouldn't look at him and say, you've got to be kidding. You're a kid. There's no way we can do this. It'll look bad on my kingly resume or whatever. It'll, it'll be bad press if I send you into this battle. So he must have had some size to him. And offering him the armor wouldn't have 
been ridiculous. If he's a, you know, eight-year-old boy or something, giving him the armor of the king who stood taller than everyone else. This is, you know, in the history of Saul. He was a tall guy himself. So it would be ridiculous to put the tall man's armor on the very young boy. So David must have had some size to him, or that doesn't even make sense to offer. But we don't know how big he was, how old he was, precisely. But he's young. And he's inexperienced. He doesn't match the eye test. Well, neither would Oregon State's basketball team. Seated number 12 in their part of the bracket. Sports fans, uh, people who aren't sports fans, I'm sorry. It's just this the time of year. They were number 12. They beat a number 5 in the first round, a number 4 in the second round, and yesterday beat a number 8 to make it to the Elite 8. They're in the final 8 teams of this tournament. They're expected to finish last in the Pac-12 in the regular season. They're defying expectations, and that's what this text points us toward, challenging expectations. David was prepared for the battle in ways that wouldn't have been perceived or expected or understood immediately by people around him, right? Who's going to be the champion? You get Goliath. Who's going to fight Goliath? Well, you want somebody with military experience, somebody who's done these kinds of things before, who's engaged in this hand-to-hand combat, who can pick up the sword, right? I mean, there's kind of a bare minimum of stuff you've got to be able to do. You've got to walk in the armor, and you've got to be able to move in this and understand how it's going to change your balance and all the things that you have to be prepared for. Well, David had different experience from what would match the eye test. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. He used to, like yesterday, David. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. So David had this experience. He didn't try to rely on Saul's armor. He didn't try to lead others into battle and devise a plan and, you know, the sneak attack, right? Oh, Goliath will come out, and then I'll go out, and you'll come from over here, and, and you do this, and we'll figure this out together. He used the tools and experience that he had from his life, from the things that he had been doing. He had these tools, he had this experience, and he, he used those things but more importantly, he trusted God. David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear would deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's where, that's where the, the heart of the matter is. He relied on his experience. He used the tools he had, but he trusted in God. Initially, he said, this, these are the things that I've done, right? I've gone after the bear. I've gone after the lion. But when he gets to that point, he says, the Lord delivered me. The Lord delivered me. Many years later, another hero arrived. And this time, 
there were expectations being announced. Hosanna to the son of David. Same David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Looking at Jesus as if he is the champion. With expectations on him. And assumptions that were being made. It's time for the rebellion against Rome. It's time to throw off this burden that we've been under as God's people Israel. And push back against this foreign invading force. Or the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. You're coming in the name of the Lord. You're here as the son of David. We are ready to make you our king. This is the hero that people expect. But Jesus didn't make the, meet the expectations of many. And expectations didn't control him. Sometimes we can get controlled by expectations. When people expect something of us, expect us to do something, accomplish something, you know, participate in something. We can get caught up in those expectations and we can try, even though it might not fit who we are or the background that we have or even what we want, we can try to meet people's expectations. Well, Jesus didn't do that. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Jesus comes in riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Not on a war horse, not there to conquer, but arriving kingly, but humbly. It's the same way that Solomon arrived, riding on the colt. The king who is coming, but not coming in the way that they expected. And he arrived pre prepared for what he would face. Not a giant, but a monumental task. He faced the enemy that we could never defeat. Death itself. In a way that he was born to do in a way that didn't match expectations or assumptions. He died in our place. When the hero dies, that's significant. When the one who's expected to accomplish such great things dies, that is important in the narrative, right? That's important in the, in the arc of the story, and that's important in the story of Jesus. He doesn't make expectations or assumptions, and when one dies, the expectation and assumption is, that's it. He lost. It's done. We were assuming things and expecting things about the wrong person. Come back next week and you'll hear more of that story. <laughs> okay, you probably already know. Our takeaway from this text, though, is be a hero. 
be a hero in this way. Know who you are. Who are you? What have you been through? What have you done? What experiences in the past have prepared you for today, for this year, for this time in your life? What are your skills? 1 Samuel 17, verse 40, Then David took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. You likely know how that story ends, too. That Goliath defeats, sorry, David, wow, that's a different story. Um, that David defeated Goliath by being who he was and by trusting in God in that time. What situation are you facing where you can be a hero? I read this um, news story that in Arizona, not far from Phoenix, there was a, a woman with her one-year-old and a man at a stop sign opened the door and got in. It was carjacking her and demanding a ride to Mesa or someplace. And I don't know how the whole story happened. It was, it was kind of vague how the article read. But she, like, pulled into the Circle K and was, like, screaming at the man. And a bystander opened the door and pulled the guy out. That's, that's a hero. Interestingly, his name's not in the article. There's no picture of him. And police are, are looking for him. Hmm. Interesting. Know who you are. Know the situation you're in. And don't try to be something you're not. This is a good takeaway as well. Henry David Thoreau said this, Be yourself, not your idea of what you think somebody else's idea of yourself should be. I think that's worth reading again. Be yourself, not your idea of what you think somebody else's idea of yourself should be. Be yourself. Be who you are. Be who God made you to be. Also understand your limits. And don't let the expectations of others control you. Be who you are. Use what you have, what you've been given. But more importantly, most importantly in this, trust in God. So we can follow the way David approached this situation with Goliath. He was true to himself. He counted on his experience. He didn't try to meet everybody's expectations. And he trusted in God. That's what we can do as well. Trust in God. It's hard when we're facing opposition. A situation that looks completely beyond what we could overcome. It's hard to trust in God when we're staring at the, at the giant. It's hard to trust in God when the enemy looks so big and imposing, but trust in God and let Jesus be your hero. Instead of trying to do everything ourselves, in our own power, in our own strength, trust in God 
and expect him to be the hero because he'll meet that expectation. David was an unexpected hero. Jesus didn't match everyone's expectations of the hero that he was. Be the hero. Trust in God. Amen.